take charge of your life. But by taking charge of your life, it doesn't mean sitting and thinking about it. It means actually taking tangible measures and steps to create the path and to clear the clutter so that you can actually see a distinct road. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. No matter how much you sell with ShipStation, your small business can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. Go to ShipStation.com and use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So today is one of my favorite, favorite episodes, but it's also one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. Priyanka Chopra is here, and the thing I want to say to you about her, which is really what I want to say to you about you, and I hope that you're going to hear this loud and clear in this conversation, is that we often think that the path to having the life we want is to answer the question, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get that career to happen? What do I have to do to be in the relationship with the person I really want to be in? What do I have to do to call in my future? And the question is not, what do I have to do? The question is not, what do I have to do? The question is, who do I need to be? It is all about resonance, vibration, energy, When we drop in, when we resonate, when we are in a state of coherence, when we are radiating into the field, something that is bright, something that feels open-hearted, something that feels centered, we don't have to do anything. It all comes to us like a magnet. And Priyanka Chopra is such a great example of this kind of fierce, fiery, still center. And that is the thing that has opened every lock to every door that has sprung open for her. And the story is just phenomenal. You know, I didn't know that much about her before we sat down to have the conversation. I just knew that she was absolutely gorgeous. And I come to find out who she is is actually even more stunning than what she looks like. So let's get into it. If you don't know Priyanka Chopra, Jonas, she's an award-winning actress, philanthropist, entrepreneur, producer. Now she's also an author. Her memoir, Unfinished, is coming out tomorrow, and it is an incredible book. Go get your copy. It is all about her journey from growing up in India to navigating her teenage years in the U.S. and having to face bullies, winning Miss World and Miss India, and then going on to have an extremely accomplished acting career and She's just been crushing everything that she's done. Not only is she a queen in her life, but she also created the Priyanka Chopra Foundation for Health and Education. She's a UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador, and she just launched Anomaly Hair Care, which is a sustainable hair care product line. It's no surprise that she's been named in Time's 100 Most Influential People in the World, Forbes World's 100 Most Powerful Women, and she carries herself with such grace and confidence. But what is so remarkable, though, is how down to earth, how humble, how present, how genuine she is. 
She is one of my new favorite people, and I'm so honored that I got the chance to really connect with her. So without further ado, please welcome the one and only Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Priyanka, I'm so, I don't even know what the word is, excited, intimidated, really happy to be sitting with you. It's awesome. Thank you for showing up here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Why would you be intimidated? Why would you say that to a person who's this pretty and this smart? What's to be intimidated by? I'm so normal. Like everyone you meet walking down no street ever. Um, <laughs> hi. So let's talk about you and your book. Before we talk about this incredible book that's coming out now, like, like in a few days, I really think it's just incredible, your story, because I mean, really, where you started and where you are, and I don't even just mean in terms of all the things, I mean, your sense of self. I mean, how you feel when you look in the mirror and how you walk through the world, which is like such a queen in her skin, like owning it, but maybe not always, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how this all began? I mean, my life was a lot of it of me being in the entertainment business specifically was very fluke driven. You know, I'm, I come from a small town in India called Bareilly. My parents were military physicians and I grew up in you know different parts of the country and uh, moving around every two years, like a very nomadic life and kind of fell upon, chanced upon, you know, a massive beauty pageant, which I happened to win. And casually. And that kind of like changed the trajectory of my life. I wanted to be in engineering. I wanted to be in at least academics. I had never thought about the arts. Like I never thought that I would, you know, I would be someone who would be a performer or be in the entertainment business. I mean, I always loved to look at my reflection in the mirror all my life, like since I was a child. So I should have known that I would have been an actress, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did not know. And you know, I kind of had to navigate everything myself. My career has been my film school. Everything that I know has been learned on the job. A career that I'm very proud of has been built on, you know, my shoulders. Uh, and I didn't know anything about it. I just kind of had to learn. So for me, this book is really two things. One, um, for myself, a cathartic reflection of taking stock of my life, uh, you know, at a time when I feel secure, I feel confident as a person, and just saying that, okay, you know what? You did good. You went through your mountains and your valleys and you came out okay. And the second thing I feel is if I can do this, anyone can do it. Like you could be thrown into any scenario and if you persevere and if you kind of are your own friend, you know, you will create a trajectory for yourself that you want. So I hope that that's sort of the, that's what people get from the book, honestly. Oh my God. I have to just say, I feel that when people are attracted to a person or to someone's work, it's the resonance. It's the energetic vibration. And your vibration is so center. It's like embodied. It's center. And it's really, you stepped into your greatness, right? Like you stepped into it. And what keeps people where they don't want to be is this resistance to all in, step into it, be your own friend, like you said. And I read some parts of your life where you said that you were bullied, right? And I'm like, there must have been a moment when you were seven or eight or 11, where you didn't feel this feeling of like claiming it. How did you do that? How did you go from where you were to stepping into it? I think the one thing to really be understanding of, which is what I mean when I say be your own friend, is that you don't always have to be in control. You don't always have to be secure or always be in charge or always be stepping in. I could be feeling insecure yesterday, but today I'm stepping in. You know what I mean? I feel like the consistency that we need to have is the fact that you're okay with you, you know? If it's a bad day, we'll deal with it. If it's a good day, we'll deal with it. You don't have to have confidence all the time. You need to just carry confidence with you like in your handbag or something, you know? When you need access to it, you'll access it. But there are days you don't need to have it. You can be vulnerable, you can be afraid, you can be sad. 
you can be all the fragile things that make up a human being but when you need it is when you should be able to find it and that's what you hone that skill for it's so good and i'm not saying this to patronize you because you are so damn beautiful and it's like everyone <laughs> just wants to tell you what you want to hear i'm not saying it for that reason i'm saying it because i spoke to dan harris who has this podcast, 10% Happier, right? And he's all into meditation. And I've been doing right. all this meditation work for all these years. And he said, when he really like boils it down, all rivers lead to the one thing that we're all wanting to overcome is shame, shame. Mm -hmm. And if we let go of shame, we could have the most expanded reality. And what you just said was, that's it. The it is I am doing it messy. The it is I'm allowing myself to build the engine while I'm flying the plane. And there's no 20 ton pound of shame sitting here. And I think for so many people, I'm so grateful. It's so generous that you shared that because what it's the opposite for people. They look at you and they buy into the illusion that you're always confident and you're always in oh, it. Oh, completely. People think like anyone, you know, whenever you look at somebody who you like admire or you're curious about how they run at a certain speed, you know, it's like, God, they probably have an arsenal full of like, you know, they wake up out of bed to I'm walking on sunshine. And no, that's like in a romantic comedy that doesn't exist. You know, um, we're all human beings and we all get hurt and we all bleed, you know, it's it, and it's okay to accept that, the fragility of who we are. I, I write this in the book, but I came to an understanding of this only in my 30s. I didn't know this in my 20s because, you know, everything, emotions are so heightened at that time. Um, but I think I, what I realized is you're born alone and you're going to die alone. That's the one constant truth that we know, right? So your journey is alone. Everyone comes in and out of it for whatever their duration is supposed to be. But you're sort of the nucleus of your own molecule, right? And I really believe that the purpose of our existence probably is to be happy in the journey between those two dots. And what is that? How do you stay happy? Because if we keep looking for something else, like, okay, when I get this, that'll make me happy. Or when I, you know, have meditated and I feel a sense of peace, it'll make me happy. But happiness is so elusive that it is only in the moment that you're in that you can truly be happy. It doesn't depend on the validation from other people. It doesn't depend on the validation of, you know, your um, desires, ambitions, nothing. But it's actually taking a 24-hour day and feeling like you went to bed good and you wake up in the morning looking forward to that day. If we manage that, everything else will take care of itself. Mm, it's like listening to music. It's so good what you're saying. It's so good. And it's like life itself is the jackpot. Like the moments yeah. on the way, like there's no there there. This is there, right? But how do you, because you have done, you said you you happened to just casually win a beauty pageant and then you did so many of them and then the it biggest ones. It wasn't actually so casual, but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was scary at that time. Cause I mean, come on, it's not normal to be nope. in a beauty pageant. It's It's like- that doesn't happen to normal people. It wasn't an aspiration of mine. I make a joke out of it because it, to me, it sounds so absurd that I even like that happened to me and that's how it started. But my brother was 10 years old and I just moved back from the States to India and he was kicked out of his room because I was 16. So my dad was like, you know, she needs her own room. And he was really pissed. And he <laughs> wanted me to be kicked, like he wanted me to leave the house again so he could have his room back. So he came up with this idea we used to always watch Miss India pageant every year. You know, it was like a thing you used to watch it and be like, oh, who's going to win? So I don't know how he came up with the plan, but I had these mall shots that I'd taken, you know, the soft focus ones that he took to my mom. And he was like, you know, why don't we send her pictures and she'll have to go to Mumbai. And in his 10-year-old brain- Oh my God, brain, it's so good. Crazy, right? In his 10-year-old brain, he was like, okay, she'll just have to go to Mumbai. She won't be at home anymore and I'll get my room back. And I, I was very ill-equipped for my exams after I went back from American high school to a school in India. I was so far behind that I was definitely going to fail that grade that year. I, I was so stressed out. So all of these things sort of combined and the universe collided with my brother's 
brain at that point with me wanting to not have to give my exams and then being dropped into a competition for a competitive person that is me you drop me into a competition i'm going to do my damnedest to swim right i'll do whatever i can to be at the top and that's it was just a combination of all of these things where just like something happened and it shifted and then i was sent for miss world and i won that and um i think with the same vibe or attitude the universe just sort of collided to push me in the right direction but recognizing the opportunity in it and persevering to be the best you can be in a given situation instead of hunkering down or being afraid of the enormity of something that is thrown at you that's something i learned at a very young age like at oh 17 18 it's just so juicy it's so cool i have two big questions and the first one is when you said and i'm a really competitive person so like let me at it you experienced it and then did miss world and you've also now witnessed other people doing those same pageants what do you know to be true you know it why did you win why did you and not someone else um i think each pageant is different first of all and i did break this down actually i had this conversation later um with you know once you win either of the pageants people in the organization sort of start working with you so you know you know, get, get to know everyone and that was i was curious about that too because i was 17 years old when i won miss india and especially when when i won miss world i was like 18 it was crazy and i remember asking that question and being told that i i just came at the room with a sense of confidence like i would knew what i was talking about and i didn't <laughs> know what i was talking about i just kind of you know i think what i recognized that with my pageants at that time was that reading the room is really important if you want to in whichever direction you want to go into you know in your life at home in your profession i think it's really important to understand you know what the room is feeling if you want to make your presence felt in the room you just have to kind of figure out all right you need this let me see if i have it in me to be able to provide that you know perception is reality what do you want your perception to be how do you want people to see you that's just who you have to be it's so simple It's so good and the word that you use is like if you want your presence felt and I feel like so often people are not in the room. They're yeah. they're they're working to prove themselves or earn something they're not dropped in, right? And you said what I said earlier which is they recognized that there was like some really palpable confidence coming from you and that's what I get from you like right We've already said it now 9 times and everybody says it. You're beautiful, but the beauty is in the resonance. There's something about you that it's like it's a I'm in here. I'm I'm dropped in. I'm comfortable in my skin. Do you have a thought you go back to or a practice you go to or something you got from your parents that helps you go I can be in this room. I can take my space. I don't need to try to be somebody you know that I'm not or feel like I don't feel worthy of being in this space what allows you to get there I have to give a lot of credit to my parents upbringing of me and my brother um when it comes to having an inherent sense of self specifically with me for some reason for sure I mean I was a chatty Cathy I loved having conversations I loved people you know and my parents never treated me like a kid I was always in the middle of the room at the dinner parties hanging out with everyone uh, but the one thing that my parents used to do which was really interesting to me was they always asked my opinion about things that they were talking about at these dinners or parties it would be like what do you think I was 5 years old give them my opinion never laughed at never shamed you know I was encouraged to have an opinion especially in a room that didn't agree with mine you know um and they kind of honed a sense of confidence in my voice in my thoughts since i was a child and i'm hoping to you know be that kind of parent someday i'm like that with my nieces and nephews and i really feel like it makes such a difference in a human being as an adult when as a child you are sort of told that you know 
you are an individual and your thoughts matter and your dreams matter and your opinion matters, that you're not dumb. Um, and that just, you know, you grow up as someone who feels like I can take on anything. Oh What's the God. maximum that'll happen? I'll fail. I'll just dust myself off. Try again. It's so, so, so powerful what you just said. And actually Malcolm Gladwell writes about that in his book Outliers when he's looking at the most successful people of all time. And what is it? And he says, as a child, they were encouraged to speak to adults. And I was that way growing up in my house. And you just actually gave me a gift right now, because I always say to my listeners, friends of mine, like, I was my parents' therapist. They asked me what they should do about their marriage. When they got divorced, they had me sort of go between. They, And in some ways I've like resented it. And in a lot of ways I realized as you, you just literally handed me healing because that is why I can sit here and talk to you and talk to Howard Schultz or everybody who's been here. And it just feels like I never got that, but thank you for that. (laughs) That's so true. You know, you're such a confident woman yourself. You have the ability to dig deep with strangers that you meet and it probably comes from the fact that you know your parents in their own way sort of gave you a sense of self that's great it's so great like why did I need 20 years therapy I could have just (laughs) talked to you about that um so next question for you which is the number one thing the number one thing that all of our listeners they say it if they don't say it is what they're saying is imposter syndrome right and you have this, which is yourself, which is so beautiful, powerful. We just talked about it. But then very quickly, you started to find yourself in a huge up level, like the people you were around, the money that was happening, the clothes, the quality of the food, the language, the travel, everything. What was it that allowed you to overcome the feeling of, oh, well, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Like, how am I here? Or or was that not the case? Were you able to just continue to expand without having that resistance? I think, and you know, I've really like never been asked this question, but I'm thinking about it as you ask me. Um, but you're, you know, I come from, yeah, very normal, non-assuming background. And, you know, everything that is mine is, is mine, you know? And I feel like what happened, I was so busy running to the next thing that I never had material sort of, I wouldn't say desires, material things that I felt that belonged to me, you know? I lived in the biggest hotel rooms or I've, you know, been in amazing cars, but not to enjoy, to actually go from one place to the other, to get out off at a red carpet. I'm at a, you know, penthouse suite apartment because I have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and make sure I get to set. You know, I've never really, my mom used to say this to me for a very long time, she says, you only have stamps on your passport. You've never seen any country. And I lived for a very long time like that, for a good 15, 16 years where I just didn't enjoy the things I had, the things that I'd worked for, the home that I may have built, the car that I may have brought, because I was so focused on, you know, what's the next thing? Because my job is very unstable. You know, there's, you don't know when your next check is coming from, where it's coming from. You don't know where you're going. Your life is dictated by your job. So it's like constantly hustling. You're forever running. And it's only in the last like four or five years that I actually, I was like, I'm, that's it. I can't do that anymore. Now I think I've reached a place in my life where I feel confident in who I am. I feel confident in my abilities to what I bring to the table I feel like I've built enough credibility after working here now for almost 15, 17 years to be able to be like, okay, I don't have to run anymore. Now I'm going to sit back and go for dinner or, you know, watch a movie (laughs) and like enjoy the car that I actually bought, you know, like maybe drive it. Um, What a concept. You know, it was, it was a bizarre concept to me. And it was really like an impetus for my book was, was another thing that I did which led me to wanting to write it is actually look at the stuff that I had achieved or the life that I had built. I just didn't because I didn't have time to, and I didn't think that I needed to. And then suddenly I just did and I loved it and I don't want to change it. But if I hadn't done the pavement pounding those 15 years, I don't think I'd be here today. Mm. It's 
beautiful. And I'm so glad, I mean, you're still, you're so young. And so it's so cool that you have this wisdom at this moment. So you can enjoy all of the next, you know, many decades to come. I want to ask you about this because one of the things that holds people back from having more is they believe they have to make a choice between being a good person or having more. People believe, and I I know because I've heard them say it, that you either get to choose subconsciously, they, they, the, the beliefs come out. I either get to have money and have a beautiful life, or I could be a nice person. But somehow, if I had a lot of things, if I had money, if I, I would lose myself or I would not be nice all of a sudden. And I've lived to see that that's not true for my life, right? And I've met so many billionaires on this show who are like the most humble, kindest people. And you it's so obvious in everything you do that you are just, if anything, you're more yourself, right? right? What would you say to people who think that they have to have less in order to be a good person? I mean, I feel really bad that according to them, what a good person is depends on material. Like that's the tragedy of that statement in itself that, you know, what you have and what you don't have. So th- by that logic, people who don't have anything, you know, are they the best people always? Like, is that the barometer of niceness? I mean, I think that's a very myopic thought and it discounts people who have worked really hard to be where they are. And I think money and, you know, status is not going to make you a good or a bad person. It's your integrity that's going to make you a good and bad person. And that has nothing to do with the amount of money you have in your bank account or, you know, the cash in your wallet. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with empathy. It has to do with compassion. It has to do with being giving, you know, learning how to have a social responsibility, learning how to have a voice, being aware of people around you. Even if you can touch one person's life, you know, in your surroundings, you're a good person. It has nothing to do with what you have, what you don't have. And, but I do think that people who do have, have a specific social responsibility to give back in whichever way. I don't, it doesn't have to be emptying out your wallet. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, spending all your life being a philanthropist. It doesn't, you can still have a profession. You can still have your own life, but having a philanthropic mindset I think is very important for the people who have. Yeah. And my mom said this to me when I was very young and I've held on to it. It doesn't matter how badly off you are. If you're in the worst condition that you've ever been, somebody is worse off than you. Yeah. That's such a great way of humbling yourself. It doesn't matter how much you have. You have to give back. A hundred percent. All makes so much sense. And it's so true. Does the person who have the least all of a sudden become the nicest human? What does that even mean? It's so myopic. It's such a great way to look through that lens and see like, that's ridiculous. My question for you is in the path of having integrity, no matter what profession, no matter what you would have done, you would meet people who don't have integrity and possibly show business and things that are surrounding it could potentially bring people who have maybe not the best intentions for why they want to be a part of it, right? Because they want to be seen, they want to be validated, not you, but people around you. How do you keep yourself in your lane when you've probably met people who are very much objectifying you or very much looking at you for your status or where you were on the red carpet? How do you not allow that to come in and keep doing life the way you do it? Super simple. You have to keep your inner circle tight. In any profession, there's a million people, and especially in our day and age of information, there's like people on social, people having comments, people at parties, just people, people, people. And everyone has an opinion and you can hear everyone's opinion. But are they going to be feeding your kids when you can't? Are they going to be at your home paying your bills? No, they're not. Are those people the ones that really matter. So to me, I just block out the noise. I'm really, really clear about the people in my life. They're the same people you'll see at my wedding, at Diwali, at Christmas, at like birthdays. It's the same people that you'll see at Zoom parties because I keep the people that matter to me, my family, my friends, the ones who are going to be there for me. 
they're the only ones that matter. Everyone else is just noise. It's so good. And isn't there so much freedom in you not taking on this myth that you have to please everyone? I don't think so because, you know, my job is not based on pleasing people. I literally just act and you have to like if I, if, you know, what I've done or you don't like what I've done. Like literally my job is I create something for your entertainment. You like what I've created or you don't like what I've created. That has nothing to do with who I am. I'm not an elected official. I am not someone who owes right. any explanation to anybody. I am just an actor or a producer or any of the other hyphenates you might want to use. <laughs> But that's all that I am. So I just, I, I have a very distinct, like a, a detached relationship with what people consider fame. And that's not what dictates my job. You know, what, what dictates my job is what I do between action and cut. And, you know, what I do when I walk onto a set or when people watch my movie or stream my movie, if they're like, okay, I've been entertained today, that's when I win. And if they think that my work is crappy then I should be worried but not if they have an opinion on my personality it <laughs> doesn't matter I love it I love when you're like I'm not an elected official my husband says that he's like I love that there are people who sit down and write you you know we have mostly five-star reviews but there's like a few people who want to give my podcast he's like you don't owe them anything their tax dollars don't go to it they can literally just not listen and instead it's like no she needs to know. She must hear how she is not pleasing me. It's like, it's not my job, but okay. Bless and release. I love this conversation so much, but before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsor. If you sell stuff online, then good news, you're in the right business. More people are shopping online than ever, including me. That means a lot of orders coming in and a lot of orders you're going to need to ship out fast. That's why online sellers like you need ShipStation. ShipStation makes it super easy to manage and ship all your orders faster, cheaper, and more efficiently. You can import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier, get access to discounted shipping rates, and automate just about any shipping task. This way, you spend less time on shipping and a lot more time doing more important things like growing your business. I'm a fan of anything that can streamline a process and ShipStation is exactly that type of solution because no matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation funnels all your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere. Plus you get access to amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, USPS, and you can easily compare and choose the best solution for you. I love that ShipStation is helping small businesses access the same rates that are usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies, and you don't even need to deal with any contracts or commitments. It's no wonder ShipStation has more five-star reviews than any other shipping software. Just go ahead and use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial that's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in DREAMJOB. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code DREAMJOB. Make ship happen. My question for you is, we were just talking before about you not like what you're saying, like, it's not your job to please everyone. And, and you said earlier that when you were a kid, you liked to look in the mirror. Remember, you were like, I like looking at myself in the mirror. Oh, any reflective surface, not even just a mirror, window, okay, fine. like anything. Fair enough. <laughs> I feel like I wanted to give you a moment to speak specifically to women about this, because there's so much of this, like apologizing, and like, I'll just kind of dim it down. And I think this idea of shame, which we talked about before, it comes up for it's like, oh, I don't want to seem arrogant or I don't want to like myself too much. Or you said, like, be your best friend. Right. And I like looking at my you didn't say that and go, I know that sounds horrible. You didn't say that. You didn't apologize for saying that. Every little girl should like looking at their reflection. That should be a rite of passage. What do you want to say to women who are constantly like, I like your outfit. It's okay. It's fine. It's there's so much of that. And I don't think that that's being in our best self. What do you think about that? I think that I would love to tell your female listeners to think about something in a different way. Okay. And even guys for that matter, for eons, society has decided 
what women should do when women should do it, right? Like women at this point should have a job. You should now have a boyfriend. You should have moved out at this point. You should have a child at this point. You should, oh my gosh, you're going to be menopausing soon. So you should be settled in. And now you're a grandmother. You can't date, you know, like all of these things that have been decided for women, which no one has decided for men. Like they do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, right? And in, in fact, it's actually said that, you know, he's such a confident guy. He lives life on his own terms. But when it comes to a girl, we've been taught that, you know, we should be judged at every moment. So much so. It's so deeply ingrained in, in our culture, in the world, that women do it to women too, and we don't realize it. And again, it's because there were so few opportunities for women, right? We were always told that you have to elbow out the other one to get the job because the best one is going to get the job. The most, the best girl is going to get the guy because I mean, lo and behold, two girls couldn't get a guy, you know, all of those really messed up thoughts that have been subliminally sort of sprinkled, normalized into society. We have to fight that norm. Our generation of girls has to change it so that the next generation doesn't inherit these problems. You know, we create sisterhood. And I'm so excited, actually, to be with a generation of women that are now creating opportunities for himself. Like the Me Too movement, for example, was such an example, great example of the fact that, you know, we've, we gave each other courage. And like that, I think as women, instead of doing the same thing that we've been taught, like, to be the most popular one in the school, you have to step on the shoulders of everyone else. No, we are going to be so successful as a community, as a world, if we support our women and if women give each other, you know, encouragement. So next time you see a, another girl trying to do her best and, you know, at her job or at her life, just appreciate her. That's all it takes. Just appreciate her and say, you know what? You did so great today. You look amazing today. That dress is freaking awesome. Just that, it just makes such a difference to create a sense of positivity instead of the negativity that we've been taught that we should have against each other. It's so toxic and noxious. Oh my gosh. It's so important. It's so good. And I love that you just, the way you just broke that down, you even opened my eyes to reminding myself of what I think I forgot, which is that men for so long, the world, society told us, this is what you should be doing. And they, they really don't have that. I just really thought of that that way. And so much so that we tell that to ourselves and each other. And you're right. That's got to stop. And it is take away that power, you know, speaking of men, I wanted to ask you this question since you are just the most sparkly human that's here on the planet. How on earth did you choose this person? Like you literally could have chosen any person. Like everybody wants to like marry you. Like it's a fact. It really is. And it's because you're like, again, it's this vibrational current of like the smartest girl who's so eloquent and kind and genuine and then so beautiful. And it's true. And it's, you know, that that is just what's so And then you could literally choose any human, but you guys are the two. How did you choose this person? Why him? He surprised me more than any guy ever has. And, you know, I met a few. (laughs) Just a few. few. (laughs) He is such a confident, self-assured man. He loves and gets so excited. He like beams like a newly shined penny when something great happens for me he'll like call friends and do facetime like he's seen my movie five times with the white tiger that's just come out he's my biggest champion and i knew that about him when i first like one of my first few dates when we went out it's a story i've mentioned in the book because i can't speak about nick without speaking about that but um, we spent this magical day together with a few of our friends. It was Memorial Day weekend and it was on a beautiful yacht and super fancy. This was like a third maybe time hanging out, third or fourth time. And I remember that evening I had a really important meeting. My team from India had flown in. My team from America had flown in. It was going to be like East meets West. That never happens. Meeting. And all the friends were like, you can't work on Memorial Day weekend, come on. And I was like, well, if somebody gives me a reason to not go, maybe I won't go. You know, I kept dropping these hints. 
and he wouldn't pick him up because I wanted him to be like, don't go, please don't. And, and he was just not doing it. Finally, after I said it the third time or something, he came and grabbed me and pulled me aside. And he was like, babe, I'm not going to tell you to cancel your meeting. And I was like, I felt so silly. <laughs> I was like, he was like, I know how hard you work to be where you are. If you could have canceled it, you would have. But I also know that you're someone who will have complete FOMO if we go out and you're at a meeting. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take our friends out for dinner. We're going to wait for you. You finish your meeting and then we'll meet you for drinks. And here was a guy who gave complete credence to my job, to my intelligence and to the, my insecurity of missing out and gave <laughs> me a solution in one. And I was like, Oh my Lord, this has never happened to me. And he was so self-assured in who he is in his creative abilities that I can bounce off of him, um, my work, my life, my feelings. And he's deep, introspective, mature. It's like, it was completely unexpected. And in that package, you know, so all of it was just like beautifully, perfectly made for me. Oh, it's so good. It's so cool that you wrote that in the book and that you let us all in on that. And it is pretty unusual that a right? man it's unusual, can, right? Yeah, that he can stand and feel masculine and cool and see you, however you want to define it, um, shining super bright, sometimes maybe even doing more in the world in a moment than he might be doing in that moment. And Absolutely. he's still clapping for you. Like that's Absolutely. not easy for most men. I know, which is what he's such an anomaly. My husband, it's insane. Like we both have our very individual careers and we're both absolutely okay to step back and let the other person shine when it's their moment because we're not competing with each other as a couple. We know that whatever we bring to the table, it's ours. And then when we shut the door on work, we're building a life. You know, it's just such a great partnership. As we're signing off, I want to ask you this because so for so many people, I feel like they will reach for the highest branch of possibility. And, you know, we determine these little worlds because we say like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not good at. This is what's available. This is what's not. People have such scarcity about the opportunities, the people, the whatever, who am I to do this? And you've just created this life that's so expansive. What do you want to share with people about what really is possible in the quantum field of making your own reality? Do you well, think it's possible? Do, I actually do have a philosophy about this, by the way, because I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. I just never wanted to walk someone else's path. Like, you know, I didn't want to do something that other people had done, you know, with, with all the verticals that I've chosen, I've done many things for the first time. And that was very exciting to me. So I figured out the way to be able to think out of the box. All right. We all put ourselves in a box, right? We're all like, this is what I have. This is the scarcity of what I have. These are the things that I need. These are the things that I don't see in my arsenal. And all of that becomes so overwhelming and overbearing that it becomes like a heaviness on you. You don't have the ability to look outside of the clutter that we've created for ourselves. Best way to work is work backwards. So for an example, you want to buy a car, right? You'll figure out, all right, this car costs this much. This is my salary. How many months do I have to pay to be able to own this car? And you make a plan backwards, right? So in the same way, make a plan for your life. You know, you want to start a business and say, all right, this is my dream scenario. It's almost like what they say with the vision board, but I just do it in my head where it's like, all right, I want to be able to, I don't know, have a production company someday. What do I need to do that? What are the other production companies? I go and do my due diligence. I'll do research and development. I'll, I'll figure out what do these other production companies need? I'll start talking to people. I'll ask questions. I'll, you know, I am on the front foot instead of the back foot. Sorry, that was a cricket reference. But, you know, I, I think like it's really important to be able to, we always say take charge of your life, but by taking charge of your life, it doesn't mean sitting and thinking about it. It means actually taking tangible measures and steps to create the path and to clear the clutter so that you can actually see a distinct road. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I just posted yesterday on Instagram, instead of thinking about like, 
the overwhelm and then doing nothing, what's one thing you can do in the next 24 hours yeah. to like move one you step. into your future? One freaking step. All right. So speaking of one step, where do we buy the book? Where do we get more of you? Send, where, where are you sending us? Um, well, the book is wherever you can get books, I guess, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. And I'm terrified. It's my first attempt as an author. Um, so I hope people will give it a chance. I hope to write more. I don't know if it'll be a book, if it'll be a screenplay, maybe, who knows. But I want to be able to keep exploring myself as an artist and growing and evolving and, you know, seeing how I can contribute to the world and how I can be of most use is through my creativity and through entertainment. And I hope that, you know, that'll be acceptable for a long time. <laughs> You're literally my favorite person. You are so genuine and so strong. You're so fierce and confident and so humble. And I'm so all in on it. And I'm, I feel like I grew just by hanging out with you. You know, they say, if you want to get better at chess, play with someone who plays really better chess than you, just, you'll get better. Even if you lose, I just feel just bouncing this conversation back and forth. Like I literally feel like you just, I tell, I'm taller. I'm taller now. Oh, thank you, babe. It was such a fun conversation. I hate like boring conversations where people ask the same trite questions. So I'm really grateful for your insight, honestly, and for the fact that you can actually really navigate interesting conversations. I love you so much. You're so awesome. Well, um, <laughs> this audience is obsessed with you. If they weren't already, they are even more. We're 88% female. And everything you said today, people Ooh. are going to just be like, and it's a number one, it is already, it's done. It's going to be the number one New York Times bestseller and it's going to be there for weeks. It's just going to be the coolest. So oh, happy for thank you. you so Thanks much. for coming here. This was the best. From your mouth to God's ears. Oh, it's already done. <laughs> of course, it's like a done. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kathy. This is lovely. I mean, right? What can I say? Seriously, uh, we're now best friends. Okay, here are the takeaways. Number one, no matter what scenario you face, if you persevere and treat yourself as your own friend, you can create the trajectory that you want. Number two, you don't have to be confident all the time. You can be afraid or sad or vulnerable. It's okay to accept the fragility of who we are. Number three, be the best you can in any situation instead of fearing the enormity of something that's thrown at you. Number four, your thoughts and your dreams matter. Your opinion matters. Number five, you don't have to keep running. You can stop and enjoy what's here for you. Number six, money and status won't make you a good person or a bad person. It's your integrity. It has to do with empathy. It has to do with compassion, generosity, and having a voice. Even if you touch just one person's life, you're a good person. Number seven, keep your inner circle tight. Number eight, we all succeed when we encourage each other. Number nine, make a plan for your life. Take charge doesn't mean just think about it. It's about taking measured steps creating the path and clearing the clutter so you can see a distinct road. Thank you so much for listening. I am well aware that you are so, so busy in your life and it really means the world that you're here. So thank you for listening. We have so many awesome guests and we have daily episodes. So make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like this show, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and then go ahead and post about the show in your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. Send me also a screenshot of your review to my DMs on my Instagram at kathy.heller. Right now, I want to give away a prize because the design pixie, you left us a beautiful review. You said, you will not need a better podcast for ideas, action steps, stories, inspiration, and more. So happy I found Kathy and so inspired by all her guests. The celebrity ones are great, but it's the coaching sessions I find beyond helpful. Highly recommend five stars. Thank you so much to the Design Pixie. Thank you for leaving that for me. That's such a beautiful review. You guys don't know what these things make me feel. So I'm going to be choosing from anyone who leaves a review for the week. I will choose two people a week and I will send you guys some swag. We have adorable hoodies and t-shirts and mugs that say all kinds of things like made to do this. Don't keep your day job. Let your color shine. And you can choose from what kind of swag you want. So 
the Design Pixie, please reach out and let us know that you heard this so that I can send you your swag. If not, I will try to find you and we will try to find you on Instagram so that we can let you know that you won. But if you go ahead and leave me a review, I will choose two people a week. So the next person will be announced on Thursday. So go ahead between now and Thursday, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review and go ahead and post about the show on your Instagram and tag me and DM me a screenshot of your review at kathy.heller. Those of you who do it, I'll choose two people and I will announce the next winners on Thursday. Also, if this particular episode resonated with you, send it to your friends, send it to someone who you think might also like it. Can you think of someone who who loves Priyanka or somebody who would be so amazed by what she said or inspired by what she said? Send it to them, text it to them, email it to them. Or again, you can put it on your Instagram and tag me and tag your friend. And let's just keep sharing this. Let's get more and more people on board with walking into their future self and doing the things that they were put here to do. Sounds like a good idea to me. All right. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song and I will talk to you tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Maybe I lost some battles and my cage got